best meeting in Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. I have a brand new guest on. His name is Jim Sisko. He has served in the Marine Corps and Navy for 23 years. He did four combat tours, including Desert Storm, and three tours in Afghanistan. He has a 90% disability rating from the VA, which includes PTSD. He was married to his ex-wife for 11 years. There was never any physical or mental abuse with her or the children. He was a model father the whole entire time, taking them on family vacations twice a year, camping trips, participated in their extracurricular activities, and teaching them values and integrity. His ex-wife filed for divorce and gave him primary custody of two of the three children, splitting up the kids. She made no attempts to resolve the matter amicably or co-parent in any way whatsoever. While his youngest daughter was in his ex-wife's care, she threatened to hurt herself six days before her ninth birthday. He found out all of this through his lawyer several days later. On his daughter's birthday, his ex-wife would not even allow her to see her father or her other siblings. When he went to court for the custody trial, he represented himself. The judge delivered the most extreme case of judicial bias imaginable. Now, the judge had issues of his own, and we will discuss that later. He granted full legal custody of all three children to his ex-wife and made him undergo a psychological examination, a 14-week parenting course, anger management course, and awarded $25,000 in legal fees. He completed all of the requirements, went back to court to get custody, and the judge threw the motion out and awarded 30000 in legal fees, claiming there was no material change and that he continued to conduct parental alienation. The judge ruled in the first case that this was a cooling-off period to allow the mother to reconnect with the children. Since then, the father has appealed the ruling and has submitted another motion to modify custody and visitation, which his ex-wife's lawyer objected to. He's waiting on the court's decision to hear the case. Now, um, he has no physical contact with any of the three children in almost 15 months. His interactions are limited to 30-minute Skype calls on Sunday evenings from 6.30 to 7 p.m. The Skype calls are monitored and recorded by his ex-wife, who ends them regularly without warning or notice. And she has not allowed the father to see his children on Christmas, New Year's Day, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving, and probably Father's Day. He has sent over 70 emails requesting increased communications or in-person visits through lawyers and paralegals, the majority of which were not responded to, with no increase in communication or in-person visitation. And I welcome you to the show, Jim. You know, where are you at now with this case? Uh, I wish I knew, Marianne. Uh, like I said, I'm still waiting to hear 
from my lawyer who went to uh, court on Friday to uh, see if we could have the motion to modify custody and visitation heard. And uh, that was heard by the court on Friday and I still haven't received any notice, but you know, that's where we're at right now. Um, you know, on the legal side, uh, as far as the, you know, with the kids, um, there was a period of time where I stopped Skyping the kids for about a month and a half. Um, and the reason why I decided to do that, I mean, it was number one, it was uh, a huge emotional toll on me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just being able to talk to my kids, you know, you know, I look forward to it every week, but then, you know, the, the Skype calls were always, I mean, at the last 14 Skype calls, 12 of them were interrupted early. I remember the last Skype call I had with my children, you know, I sat down and I made a decision that I was going to end the Skype calls because the lawyers were reviewing it. The therapist was reviewing it. And each Skype call was costing about, about $400. So we're talking about, you know, uh, four times, you know, $1,600, $1,500 a month just to talk to my kids, which I looked at, it was like blackmail. Mm -hmm. And the fact that every time that I said anything, it was, it was, you know, put under a microscope and dissected, you know, you, you said this in the Skype call, you said this, or you've, you violated the court order. So it became, it became really difficult uh, to do that. So I decided to end the Skype calls. And, you know, the, the day I, you know, the Skype call that I uh, had with my children, I started off, you know, using a lot of the, the things that I learned in the parenting class and, you know, talking to a therapist and learning about parental alienation. I said, hey, kids, I love you. I want you to understand that none of this is your fault. I want you to understand that I love being your dad. I miss you. I want to be with you every day. I, you know, I want to be a part of your lives. You know, one of the greatest things that I find is being a dad in your life. And, uh, you know, it was very emotional for me in trying to say this. And I'm like, I, I can't explain, you know, to you now why, you know, why I do this. But I want you to understand that I'm unable to Skype with you any longer. And, but, you know, there will come a point in your lives where I'll be able to tell you. And, you know, my ex-wife turned the computer app uh, away from the kids, looked at me and hung up the Skype call. And that was the last time I spoke with them until this Sunday. And this Sunday, I, you know, I had asked my lawyer. Hey, can you ask for the Skype calls and not to be recorded and not to be, you know, um, you know, monitored? And he he gave, he you know, he gave me a hard time. He said ethically, I, I I'm opposed to this, and you know, I'm the client at the end of the day. I don't care what your ethics, your ethics, your where your stance is. If it's a request from a client, you do it. So finally, I just reached out to my ex-wife and asked her if I could talk to uh, our children, and she wouldn't allow it at first. And then she said, Well, I'll, I can do it from four. To 4:30. So, I had my first Skype call with him this Sunday. I talked to him for half an hour, and it was it was great to talk to him. But once again, I reinforced that I, I, I miss them. I love them. I love being their dad. I can't wait to be a part of their lives again. You know, I really miss them. I think about them every day, and I I even asked them, you know, if they missed me. And I said, it's okay if you you can tell me about it because. Uh, you know, it feels good for me to hear you guys say that you miss me and you love me. And, and, mm -hmm. and they did. But you can tell they looked at they're looking at my ex-wife and, mm -hmm. you know, she's prompting them. So, you know, it's a terrible situation. But, you know, I'll just say this and then, you know, I'll move on. You know, I, I did four combat tours and, and in combat, you know, you're under a, an immense amount of uh, anxiety and stress on a daily basis. And and I can honestly tell you that in combat, you 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 can fight. You you have you're you know, you can go kill somebody or you can go, you know, shoot somebody. And this situation is 10 times worse than anything I've dealt with in combat because of the personal nature, um, you know, that my kids are involved. 
the fact that I can't do anything as a man, I am helpless. Mm-hmm. And the things that I want to do and the things that I can do as a you know former special forces uh, operator and a former intelligence officer, I can't utilize my resources or my training to do anything that because then I'd be in jail. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at. And uh, I, I just hope, you know, uh, you know, people understand this situation and I don't want other people being in this situation because people who haven't had my training or experience or things like that, I can see how their lives spiral out of control, like from the financial piece to the emotional piece, to the stress. And I've experienced a lot of that personally. And, uh, you know, I just, I get through it. I just walk every day. Now, how can a young person avoid getting into this situation? If you were going to give even your daughter advice, or if you had a son, give him advice, what would you tell them? You know, that's a great question. You know, when I, uh, for my childhood, I was raised in a family where my mother was married three times and my father was married three times. I spent the majority of my childhood living with my grandparents. It was a very toxic environment. My father would say that uh, my mom was a piece of shit and that she gave us up. And my mom would say that my dad was an asshole and that he stole uh, stole us. And, you know, in, in that time, you don't, you, you don't know because you're a kid and, and there's no facts and there's no evidence and emails and things like that. So for me personally, I, I, I decided, you know, when I got married, I was just going to do it once. I didn't want to put my children through that. So I didn't get married till I was 40. And I had just gotten out of a really toxic relationship with a very attractive woman. And my friends were always saying, you need to settle down. Most of my friends were married and had children or married and had children and divorced. And so I, I met my ex-wife and uh, she wasn't, you know, the, the kind of what. I, and I overlooked a lot of things that I shouldn't have because I was in a rush to get married. Mm-hmm. And I will tell people, you know, two pieces, pieces of advice that I have is number one, if you do get married, sign a prenup because you can never, uh, you can never, you know, plan for the future and you need to protect yourself and mm-hmm. your financial future uh, and, and things like that and your equities. And number two, look for the characteristics and traits that are very important in a, in a relationship. In a relationship, when you're married, you're going to fight over three things. You're going to fight over finances, sex, and children. Mm-hmm. And if you're not compatible with uh, your parenting beliefs and ideas, and if you're not, uh, you know, compatible, compatible sexually and you disagree on finances or you don't align, you're going to have problems. And for me, my ex-wife, when I met her, she had $30,000 in credit card mm-hmm. debt. And, and I took on that because I was willing to sacrifice some things or overlook some things because I wanted to get married. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you know, she came from what I believe to be, you know, uh, a very good, solid family and as I learned when we got married, that that was a, a mirage. It was a facade that mm-hmm. there was so many skeletons in the closet and that I wasn't aware of. But they painted this picture, a rosy picture. And one of my friends at the wedding said it was like the uh, the Kennedys marrying the Clampets. And I, my family was the Clampets because we were from New Jersey and her family was the Kennedys. But, mm-hmm. you know, as as we learned that that didn't work out so well, but. So the things that are really important is, and what I believe and what I look for in, in people now is that 
the characteristics that they're they're very selfless, that they're willing to put their uh, needs behind yours, that mm -hmm. they're uh, motivated, that they're not lazy. You don't want to marry a lazy person. You come home and laundry's piled up, or you know that you're both motivated. You you have you're driven. You have a uh, common goals, and and that you're you both are willing to make sacrifices for each other and put each other's needs ahead of your own. And those are probably the most important qualities that you should look for or attributes you should look for. Um, you know, and, and I, you know, was dating a girl, uh, a woman, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, for about a year now. And uh, we recently broke up and it was the same trap. I was lonely. I just wanted companionship. And I overlooked a lot of those characteristics and traits that were, for me, you know, are very important. <clears throat> but now I, you know, I, I, I kind of know what I want. And, you know, the other thing I want is I want to meet a woman who understands my situation and she is, uh, her and I can just be, uh, be like role models for my children. This is what a healthy relationship should be. Mm -hmm. This is what it looks like when parents, you know, you're, you know when, when people are in love with each other. This mm -hmm. is how they treat each other with respect and kindness. And this is what uh, you can take forward when you go and see a relationship. And if you don't uh, have all of these qualities and attributes and you're not in this type of relationship, get out of it. Mm -hmm. Quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you know, your judge had issues. Uh, tell us about uh, this judge having some issues and making rulings, not just in your case, but in other people's cases, based on something that happened to him. Yeah, so um, like you said in the opening, you know, I, I believe in my mind it was the most egregious abuse of judicial power imaginable. Taking a family and splitting it up, taking a, a father who wants to be a father, who was raised two children, and then removing all, you know, uh, all interaction with their children, you know, that is just disgusting in my in my in my opinion. And the way he did it, the personal attacks when he delivered the ruling and saying things like, Mr. Cisco, you lack any self-awareness and you are, this is the, the worst case of uh, parental alienation that I've seen in 30 years and it's tantamount to child abuse. And, and, and what I laugh about is I've done hours and like almost a hundred hours of research on parental alienation. And between you and me, it's bullshit. It's uh, parental alienation in some cases is valid, but Parental alienation is a, is, a, is, a, is a hypothesis, an idea. Um, it's a psychological, you know, drawn up by therapists to make a lot of money, which is part of the, the whole problem with this family court system and the nepotism and the, you know, the, the ways that it, it acts. But going back to the judge, you know, he, he was vindictive because I went to court and represented myself, number one, and number That's two. It. And number two, on the first day of the trial, I knew it wasn't going well because when I, when I started to cross-examine my ex-wife, the first thing I said, you know, I took a deep breath, tried to maintain my composure, and I said, good morning, Liz. And I went to go my first question, and he yelled at me, you will address her as Miss Cisco. You better understand the court rules of the court. And, and I was kind of like taken aback. It was like getting a gut punch. And I was kind of, you know, I was like, didn't really know what to do. Um, and then I was like, okay, I figured it out real quick. And, you know, I started asking my questions again. But as you get comfortable in your cross-examination, you know, I just went back to, okay, so Liz, you said this. And he said, that's the last time. One more time and you're in contempt of court. Oh. And 
And I was, you know, it was really difficult for me. <clears throat> so then on the end of the first day, you know, it was really, it was a difficult time because she had plowed all this evidence. She had her father testify, her friends testify, and they blatantly lied about, you know, a lot of things. And, and I felt like I was on the ropes, but, you know, I knew day two was my time to shine. And, and I, there was one thing I had an ace in the hole and, and it was my kids and they wanted to testify. They had been abused physically by uh, her. They had been lied to her. Uh, my kids have been lied to by her. You know, my ex, my uh, my youngest daughter wanted to commit suicide or threatened to commit suicide. So I had all of this stuff. You know, I had body cam footage of <clears throat> the police came to my house the day of my surgery, and she called the police and said that I had become uh, physically aggressive and crawled into the car and pulled my daughter out. And three hours earlier, I had just recovered from major back surgery. Oh. And you can see on the police cam footage, you know, she was lying. The cops were like, can we go in and talk to the children? I was like, I really don't want to expose them to this. But they went in. Kids are eating pizza and like, yeah, we love daddy. And they're like, okay. <laughs> out of here. Oh, my <clears> so, gosh. so I said to the judge, I said, your honor, um, can I bring my children to court? They want to testify. And he looked at me and he said, Mr. Cisco, that's the nuclear option. I would not advise it and it does not go well ever. And I remember those words. And so I went home that night, I talked to my kids and, and you know, we had like a discussion about it and they're like, dad, we want to do it. We want to help you. We want to live with you. We want to be with you. And will it help you? And I said, yes. So the next day we go into court and you know, the kids are outside. I had a chaperone with them. They were going to you know, be with uh, my next door neighbor um, until they got come into court and then once they testify, they would leave. <clears throat> called the school, called the principal, let them know they were gonna be in court. And uh, the judge, uh, we just started the case and I was about to you know, say, hey, the motion and my first witnesses, I have my daughter Tabitha and my son Ryan. <clears throat> and the judge looks out of the courtroom and he says, there's children outside the courtroom. And I said, yeah, your honor, those are my children. And he got up and he said, the court's out of session. He went nuts and stopped the session, ran out, and uh, he came back in like five minutes later. And you know they did some legal jargon with the other lawyer and they basically said that the kids were not gonna be able to testify. And you know that really you know, was another kick in the junk for me. And I remember I did the best I can to present all the evidence and, and it kept getting opposed and objected to this, object to the body cam footage, object to this, object to the text messages hearsay, this and that. It was really, it was really difficult. <clears throat> and so before lunch, I, I said to the judge, your honor, I, I have a question. He's like, what is it, Mr. Cisco? And I said, what am I supposed to do with my kids? You know, and uh, he goes, I don't care what you do with your kids, but they will not leave this courtroom because they will not be going home with you today. Oh, and that's before God. he even gave his ruling. Now, <clears throat> some background on this judge. So Judge Mann, Thomas Mann, he was, you know, he had a great reputation. You know, everybody loved him. He was a, a very good judge, well-respected. And uh, several years ago, his daughter was murdered. His daughter was attending Mary Washington College and uh, her male roommate, <clears throat> they were drunk one night and came in and they got in an argument, a fight, and he took a plastic bag and he shoved it down her throat. And then he took another plastic bag and he put it over her head and duct taped it around her neck and left her to die. Mm -hmm. You know, I would never wish anything like this to happen to anyone. And as a father, you know, I would never, you know, if that happened to my daughter, I wouldn't know what to do. 
And uh, anyway, the other thing is that this, the perpetrator, the, the person who killed her, played rugby on the Mary Washington rugby team, <clears throat> which I coached, by the way. Mm. <clears throat> so he, uh, you know, took a time off and he went through therapy and, you know, I actually, you know, uh, know the therapist that we saw. And, and then he came back and they put him into the family court system. I mean, that's probably the worst mistake you can make. <clears throat> and since then, he has made some of the most egregious rulings, not just in my case. <clears throat> there was a case with uh, an abuse case where I think the uh, individual was convicted by the prosecutor and got 17 years in jail. And he, he talked to the press about it and said that was too lenient. Um, <clears throat> so the other thing is everyone I talked to after the case, you know, I, I went to try to get lawyers and family advocacy groups. And, you know, I would tell the story and they, the first thing they would say is, who's the judge? And I said, it's Thomas Mann. And they would put their head down and shake their head. And a lot of them would <clears throat> say, well, I'm not going to take your case. And the reason why is this is like really taboo. Nobody wants to talk about this. <clears throat> Nobody wants to bring up poor Thomas Mann, poor Judge Mann. What, what a terrible thing he's happened to him. And it was. But that does not give him the right to rule in the way he does on other cases and bring in his own personal biases and his own baggage you know, his daughter's dead, but does now he can separate my family and separate my, me from my children. And, and, and everybody says, you know, this is what has happened is, is terrible in your life, but nobody has the, the fortitude or the balls or the guts to, 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 to say anything. And when I did, it was used against me in court. He said this about Thomas Mann and Every day, uh, uh, you know, there's not, a, you know, I go multiple days, I think about him and what happened. And I think about the lawyers and I think about the therapist and I think about everything. And I think about how I want to get revenge. Not a day goes by that I don't think about this stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't act because you know what? He's suffering, but he doesn't give, that does not give him the right to do the things that he's done. Mm -hmm. And somebody needs to hold him accountable. And the only reason you know, he, he, he ruled the second case and now he got an, a, an, an appellate position where he's now an appellate judge. Oh, so God. the good thing for me is that he got promoted because he can no longer hear this case. But the bad thing is now he's in an appellate position and I've appealed this, uh, you know, my second case with him and, you know, hopefully he, he, he can't be on that, uh, that case. But, you know, that's the thing. Nobody wants to talk about it. You know, nobody wants to say, you know, judge man, but behind the scenes, everybody's like, yeah, that guy should be disbarred. And I will promise to everything I can do in my power when this all gets uh, falls out that I will make sure that given the resources, I want him disbarred because he should not be having an impact on people's lives like he does. It's um, there's uh, another case where a judge went through some type of trauma and her rulings were off the wall where she did get removed from the bench and i had just read this over the weekend um i think her last name started with a y uh, other people might know what i'm talking about i'll have to get you the info but how they're rolling just because they went through turmoil they still have a job to do if they cannot do it then they should step away for two years they can afford it yeah, I mean, but look at the judicial system. You look at how judges are appointed. You know, they become gods. Yes. You know, uh, nobody goes against the, you know, in me, 
me even saying this on a podcast, I know I'm going to get a lot of negative, you know, I, there could be retribution, you know, anytime I go in front of a judge now, oh, you're the guy who said that about Judge Mann. You know, I knew that there was a lot of that in the last case where my ex-wife took me to court uh, for contempt because she said I violated the custody agreement, which I did. I hadn't seen my children in months and I sent a video, I made a video, which was probably the most agonizing video I ever did in my life, you know, talking about the situation. It was like an eight minute video. And, uh, and I, I asked the therapist to have them review it. I sent them a text message saying, I love them. I miss them. They, my ex-wife took all this stuff, took me to court, said I wasn't paying for the therapist bills when, and let's please talk about the therapist right now. Oh, who's seen yes. the children. And what, what she did charging $14,000 in therapy bills when she never came up with the objective of the therapy, a timeline, um, or anything else. It wouldn't even provide evaluations, wouldn't provide, you know, I got my first one two months ago, uh, a month and a half ago, and it was crap. It was totally biased. She, how could she give an interview, an evaluation, or conduct an evaluation and not have any communication with me? It was totally one-sided. Um, and she has a reputation. You know, I talked to a couple of therapists Mm -hmm. And they said that this therapist has a total non-objectivity, always takes the side of the woman and the mother. And, and this is what I've been subjected to. But anyway, I'm sorry I went down. Oh, no, she, she's also participating in parental alienation. She's also participating in child psychological abuse on those children. And she needs to be reported to the APA. So, yeah, her name is Dr. Mary Lindell. And, you know, when I went to court, you know, I had emailed her and several of my, and I copied several of my friends and my friends all weighed in. Hey, Mr. Cisco is this, I've known Jim for 20 years. Hey, you know, I've, known, I've seen him when they were married, you know, trying to be like, Hey, you really need to talk to him about it. And, and the opposing counsel said that she felt threatened by these emails, although she never came to me and said that she felt threatened and they used this and judge man and, and I, I think this violates something. Judge Mann said that I was not allowed to communicate at all with the therapist. So what kind of judge is trying to rehabilitate a father or rehabilitate a family and then prohibits the father from communicating with the therapist? Well, so, see, I mean, he also is participating in child psychological abuse as well and perpetuating yeah. parental alienation. She, you know, Judge Mann empowered my ex-wife gave her all of the tools to do this and the financial resources, because if he didn't award the $25,000 and $30,000 in legal fees, she would have had to pay for that. Mm -hmm. And it would have been a totally different story if she had to pay out of her own money or her parents who are very well off had to pay for her legal fees. Then she has no, there's, there's no, you know, there's no accountability. And with the therapist, you know, she is basically empowering my ex-wife and manipulating the children. You know, I've, I've tried to ask the children what she says and you know, what do I talk about? But uh, I've, I've heard, you know, from you know, the therapist that when the kids ask, why are they in their situation? She'll basically say, well, when parents don't get along, then a judge has to come in and then a judge will, you know, and that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, my ex-wife won't do anything to co-parent. She's being vindictive and she's lied to the children, abused the children physically. I have audio tapes of my, an hour long audio tape of my ex-wife abusing, excuse me, my daughter, text messages. 
and 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 they allow this to happen. I actually introduced all of this evidence to the therapists, and they failed to put it in their evaluations or reports. It, it's disgusting. And they also failed to be well. They're mandated <clears throat> reporters. She should have reported that. You know what? And that's what I said to myself. They need to go to child protective services, and they need to. Uh, you know, this is evidence of physical abuse, and there's some stipulation in there about time periodicity or things like that. And they said that they didn't have to. Uh -huh. And I even took this to child protective services. And the, the the problem with child protective services, in my opinion, is that they have these guidelines that they have to abide by. And is there immediate threat to the child's safety or welfare? No. I have a recording of this. I have, you know, I have a text message of this. I have all, is there immediate threat to child's welfare? Are they endangered? No. Then they don't even want to report it. So the system is totally, it's rigged, it's gained. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're on the, if you're behind the eight ball, there's hardly any way to get out from under it. Most definitely. And with you representing yourself, um, they hate that. They hate pro se litigants. They are irritated that you're not paying attorney fees and not paying into the system. Yeah, I mean, that was probably the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. And I realized that. And, you know, after the fact, um, <laughs> you know, I made bigger mistakes. I compounded that. You know, I got out of that trial. And the next day I was on the phone trying to find lawyers. And I found a lawyer who said that he had a personal relationship with Judge Mann and that his law firm hired Judge Mann when Judge Mann got out of law school. And he basically guaranteed me that, you know, he could take care of this, you know, with his personal relationship which I was like, you know, I just got out of court. I was probably in the darkest period of my life. I wasn't making good decisions. Gave him a $20,000 retainer. And, uh, and four months later, I was no better off. I had gotten nowhere. And it was just the typical lawyers going back and forth, emailing, charging me fees for, you know, the stupidest shit in the world that if my ex-wife was just acting like a mature adult, she could have been like, Hey, Jim, you know, uh, I need this or Jim, can you do this? And yeah, yeah, yeah. But everything had to go through lawyers, you know, personal property issues, you know, because we were still going through the divorce proceedings mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, negotiating on a divorce settlement, which fortunately for me, you know, I, I, I was able to, uh, you know, uh, strike a pretty good deal. I mean, not obviously, but, you know, I was able to stay in the house and keep my house. I retained all my veterans benefits where my wife has not, has no entitlement to my VA. But she was stupid for doing that because she was on my survivor benefits plan. And when I died, she would have got half of my retirement for the rest of her life. And she would have could have got a portion of my retirement. But it was acting out of vindictiveness and selfishness and trying to keep me away from the kids. She didn't care about it. You know, she, she was just trying to dig and dig and get everything. And uh, so that lawyer, you know, after four months, you know, I, I actually let him go. And he tried to take me to, to court for uh, you know, $15,000 in legal fees that he said that I owed him. And, and we actually went to, we litigated it and he lost. Good. And, and uh, <clears throat> then I got another lawyer and uh, <clears throat> that lawyer, and I'm gonna go on a theme here, that lawyer was terrible. That lawyer was recommended by a friend and, and the friend, it was actually his wife, they were both lawyers. And it was the woman lawyer that was actually the sharp, she was, Cracker Jack. She was awesome. And actually they were going through a divorce and at the time and the, the male lawyer who I had 
he uh, he lost custody of his kids. He lost you know a lot of you know money and stuff like that. And that was a lawyer that I retained instead of the, the female lawyer. And so we're trying to work through the negotiations and trying to get custody. And he actually wrote <clears throat> literally and filed a motion that said, Mr. Cisco is a trained killer, that he's using his training and all the resources available from uh, to to uh, yeah, literally said that a trained killer. Oh my and God. Utilizing because he adapted his training to this current situation and he's doing everything he can to neutralize his ex-wife. And I read the motion and I said, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Remove this motion immediately. And this oh is when God. I was going to the VA and trying to get my PTSD claim done and trying to, you know, and, and you know, so when I have, I have a disdain for family lawyers. I mean, and I talk to lawyers who are corporate lawyers for my work. And they say that family lawyers are like the bottom of the barrel. Oh yeah, they're the, the scum suckers. They're the leeches. They're the parasites, and they take vulnerable people like myself, and and they extort them. Yes. Let me charge you every six minutes. I do an email. Let me charge you for a phone call. Oh, I talked to the other opposing counsel for an hour, and I put certain stipulations in place. I will be copied or blind copied on every email. And if you're going to have a phone call with the opposing counsel, I'm going to be on it. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, well, you can't tell me what to do. I'm like, no, this is how I'm going to run this show because I've been drugged through the mud and gotten $30,000 legal fees and for, you know, legal call with opposing counsel. What'd you talk about? The weather? Right. Golfing. Yeah. You know, so so you can see like I have all of these things compounding <clears throat> and, and where I'm at right now and it, 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 you know, and why I'm so frustrated. Why has there nobody who can come out and say, I need to help this guy. I, I'm gonna either <clears throat> represent him pro bono or I'm gonna be part of an advocacy group or I'm gonna go contact a therapist. <clears throat> I've had my, my family, my brother, my sister, friends try to reach out to my ex-wife, not threatening, but be like, Liz, do you understand what you're doing to your kids? Mm-hmm. She refuses to take any calls from my brother or my sister, receive text messages. My sister would send cards for Christmas and, mm-hmm. and for Thanksgiving and for Halloween, and they would be re- uh, returned. She has eliminated all or any type of possible interaction with my family and my friends with my children. So, you know, and I'm the parental alienator. And it's, you know, it's disgusting. And this is proof that there is parental alienation because your ex is doing this to your immediate family members as well. Yeah. I mean, my brother has tried to text and call my ex-wife saying, hey, I really want to talk to the kids. You know, they had a very good relationship where my brother would come here from Texas and the kids would be all over him the entire weekend. Yeah. Uh, we actually went to Texas and stayed with him for a for a week uh, and they loved it and, and no interaction whatsoever. That's a shame. You know, it's, it, it's a shame also with the go, going back to the therapist that she was not trained in child psychological abuse. Do you know what her training was or her PhD was in? Uh, no, I mean, her, her name is Dr. Mary Lindell and uh you know, I don't mean to be mean or anything, but she's probably like in her mid seventies, and 
And I literally, when I, the first time I met her and spoke with her, I, I was just like, I just, it was like, I mean, I don't want to be mean or cruel, but uh, you know, I, I don't want to say the things that I really want to say, but mm -hmm. you know, from the first time I met her, I was like, who is this whack job? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and what is, I don't even want her being, her physical appearance, I didn't even want her being around my children. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she looks like Gollum from uh, Lord of the Rings. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and she would be a very scaring, intimidating presence to a child, like you know, just on her physical appearance and her demeanor and the way she spoke. And, and like when I questioned her, what's your therapy plan? What's your timeline? What are your objectives? She literally said, I'm going to build trust with the children. And then I'm going to let them determine what their objectives of therapy are. Oh, no, that wouldn't fly with me either. And I, and I was like, I was dumbfounded. I'm like, you're going to let a 12 year old child determine what their therapy objectives are. In what planet are we living now that we let children determine what their therapy plan is? And why can't you clearly articulate your plan? Yes, I understand. And I said to her, I understand that as a therapist, you need to build trust with a child, but you're never, you will never build the trust with that child that I have and the trust that these children have in me. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. Uh, why didn't she just retire? And, you know, it's all about money. You know, she charges uh, $190 to review a Skype call, whether the Skype call is five minutes or 30 minutes. She charges therapy session for the children, and it's like a over $1,000 a month. And one of the disgusting things about that is when my ex wife split up the children, I had primary custody of the twins, Ryan and Tabitha. My ex wife retained primary custody of Samantha. When she sees the children, she sees Ryan and Tabitha together and she sees Samantha separately. And, you know, which makes me question, you know, is she reinforcing the negative, you know, things that Samantha was exposed to and reassuring them? Because when they all get in a room together, that's when the truth happens. You know, when my ex-wife took all three kids to laser tag and she was so worried that my daughter had a cell phone and could call me, she left the children in laser tag by themselves to go out in the car and find where my daughter hid the phone in the car and left my youngest daughter in there crying because she was by herself and scared. And this is what upsets me so much is my ex-wife, I don't have any ill will towards her. I don't want her you know, to you know, die or you know, suffer so much because she's the parents of my uh, children mm -hmm. and I want them to have a healthy relationship with their mother. But the things she has done, I can never forgive her for. Mm -hmm. And the way she's acted is disgusting. No rational human being would take the actions that she's taken over this prolonged period of time. And this is what, you know, when I go back to her childhood and look at some of the things that she's had to deal with in her childhood, now it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to tell our young people about when they start dating and what to look out for. This yeah, I mean, it, it is, but, you know, I can't as a rational human being say, if even if I got full legal custody of my kids, I wouldn't alienate them from their mother. Mm -hmm. I would say to the kids, and I've said it to them, we pray for your mom, um, you know, your, your mom's an important role model, you know, 
support of your life. You need to have a mother in your life. That's not happening. On the, there's no reciprocity. That's not happening on the other side. You know, your father's not allowed to talk to you. The court said that, and you can't do it. Well, no, many people know that my wife, my ex-wife was given permission in the order. The judge said that Miss Cisco, uh, Miss Holtzman now, has the ability and authority to allow for increased communication and in-person visitations. She has the authority to do that and she refuses to. So what good mother is gonna do that? Especially when there's been no physical abuse, no mental abuse, that I've raised two of the children on their own. What's the precedent? What's the reasoning? What's the rationale? That is not a normal person. That is not a sane person in my opinion. That is a vindictive person who is doing everything they can. And, and part of the reason why is she can't be alone. Mm -hmm. She has never had any friends in her life. Her maid of honor a week before the wedding canceled. She, most of her wedding party was made up of you know, uh, family relatives. And the only friend that she has now is one woman who is not liked in the community who has had issues with other parents and teachers and, and they are two peas in a pod. And by the way, they have three children and my, and they're similar age. And, and, you know, why is she doing this? You know, because the minute the kids come back in my life, they're going to want to live with me. They're like, dad, we want to live with you. And she's going to be alone and mm -hmm. she can't handle being alone. This has been very difficult for me to be alone but I have really good friends and, you know, I'm very strong mentally and I have a great dog who's my, you know, emotional yeah. sport. Mentor. And, uh, but she would, she would lose her mind if she was, if the kids and they're, she doesn't realize when these kids come to an age and they're, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, and I'm, and I'm not going to do it maliciously, but I'm going to say, I want you kids to understand what I've been through. Mm -hmm. I want you to read this court order. I want you to understand that your mom could have let me see you at any time over the past three years or five years and chose not to. I want you to see where I tried to go to court and she objected to it. I want to see where you know her lawyer filed a motion to not allow it. This is what I had to fight for for, for, for years. And I'm going to do it because what happens to me as a child, your mom's a piece of shit. You know, she gave you up. Your dad stole me. Hey, kids, here's the facts. Here's 3,000 emails. Read them this week. Here's over 100 emails where, Liz, can I please see the kids? Liz, can I just talk to them? Liz, can I see them on my birthday? Liz, I just want to take them to our favorite Chinese restaurant for dinner. Never responded to our <clears throat> lawyer not responding to it or her not responding to it or lawyer responding. Mr. Cisco's uh, alienating behavior, hype, hyper, hyperbolic bullshit emails. And mm -hmm. I have a story about him. And if you want to hear it, if we have oh, time. Sure. So this email, this lawyer, when I was representing myself, one of our initial hearings, we went in front of a Judge Smith. And Judge Smith was, this guy is no bullshit. He, and I wish he was my judge in this case. We go before the judge and, and the judge is like, can you guys go to mediation and figure it out on your own? And I'm like, sure, happy to. I don't want to get in front of a judge. We go to mediation and he's pulling out this and this and all these stuff and trying to do his legal stuff. And I said, Joe, you, you know, I caught you in a lie. You said it was going to be this, this and this. And then you hand up a, a different motion and you say this, this and this. I'm like, 
give me the original motion. He's like, no, this is the motion. I was like, Joe, you're lying. Joe Menzi. And uh, what happened? We go back into court and he goes, you know, okay, we start off and, you know, Joe starts off and he does this five minute soliloquy on all this stuff that, you know, I was supposedly done. And uh, he gets done and he goes, uh, Mr. Cisco. And very clearly I had five bullet points. He said this, this is what happened. He said this, this is what happened. He said this, this is it. Here's the truth. Here's this, here's the evidence. And he goes back to Mr. Menzi. He goes, Mr. Menzi, you know, what do you have to say? And he talked for about five or seven minutes. And, you know, just basically just spewing, you know, crap. And he goes, the judge interrupted him. He goes, Mr. Menzi, are you done? And he goes, yes, your honor. He goes, good, sit down. You've lost all credibility with this court. And he ruled, the judge ruled in my favor. And that was a kick in the balls for him. From that day on, he took it personal. And he did everything he could, not responding to emails, being unprofessional, you know, hyperbolic in his nature, false claims and accusations. And it's all because Judge Smith said, sit down, Mr. Menzi, you've lost all credibility with this court. You just got beat by a, a, somebody who's not a lawyer mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, and, and that has been an issue that I faced because not responding to emails. You know, my, my lawyer sent him an email three weeks ago asking about the personal property. He never responded. And there's an ethics thing that he's violating, you know, in, in for lawyers that you ethically have to respond within a, you know, a, conser- a certain time period, a considerable time period. And, uh, and here's the other thing, the lawyer who originally took was the represented my ex-wife. She told my lawyer in the beginning that she had concerns about my ex-wife's mental health and she removed herself from the case. And then Mr. Menzi took over and those two are like two peas in a pod, two girls. And, you know, they conspire and, you know, and it's, it's disgusting. And once again, and this is going back to the bigger issue of the nepotism and all of the backdoor trading that happens between lawyers and mm-hmm. therapists and judges. And it's an incestuous, uh, you know, kleptocracy that is disgusting. Because the judge appoints a therapist, the, the lawyer knows the therapist, knows that he's going to get the ruling that he wants or the, the, the evaluation that he wants, and they talk behind the scenes. And, you know, the, 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 the parent is, is left exposed to this. Now, going back to that therapist, so she was court appointed? She was a court therapist? No, the uh, 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 Christopher Lane was the court appointed therapist who did the psychological evaluation of me hmm. and, and has ghosted many people. You go on Yelp reviews and people are like worst, worst therapist ever. He took my kids from me. He was responsible for this, ghosted me for, you know, this is not uncommon. The, the therapist who is treating the children was chosen by my ex-wife and her lawyer. They knew what they were getting, you know, oh, let's go get Dr. Uh, Mary Lindell. Here's a, here's a therapist who advocates for women and, you know, always supports the mother. And I had no recourse because I couldn't weigh in to say, well, you know, do I have an input? Can I, you know, can we choose the lawyer together? Uh, yeah, that stuff was, was pulled on me. They had given me a list of, of therapists for my uh, one son. So they, let me pick from three of them. Luckily, my attorney knew one that was good. He goes, pick him, call their bluff, and you 
call this guy up. And luckily this guy was good, but how rare is that? Yeah, I mean, and the, the thing is you're in a different area too, because if you look at Washington CC in Northern Virginia, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a therapist or a, a, a family lawyer. I mean, the, the, the therapy in Northern Virginia is commonplace. You know, it's kind of looked at as, oh, you don't have a therapist? What's wrong with you? Mm. They, you know, they advocate. I believe, I had a lawyer tell me, I believe every child should be in therapy. Oh, God. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? It's the role of a parent, not a therapist. You can't replace a parent with a therapist. And that's what my ex-wife is doing. She's trying to replace me as a father with a therapist, with ADHD medicine, with her own father who, you know, has these issues with her and, uh, you know, that I can't get into. But, you know, we can say that the behavior that I've seen with uh, both uh, my ex-wife's father and mother has been kind of, uh, how do I describe it in the nicest way, grooming behavior that uh, would lead you to believe that there's some type of uh, abuse. For in Thanksgiving, two years ago, my ex-wife had custody of the kids for Thanksgiving. He, she took my children to Thanksgiving dinner at, my, uh, at her parents' house. And, you know, I had Thanksgiving by myself. I was really depressed, but, you know, I looked forward to, I was picking them up from Thanksgiving and we were going skiing in Shawnee for three days. So I was kind of happy. I pick him up, you know, in my ex-wife playing games. I, I'm not comfortable of you coming to my parents' house. We're going to meet at a police station off of 495. Oh. You know, I'm like, okay, that's great for the kids, you know. Kids come running out of the car. They come running in the car. I had all the stuff packed. I had the skis packed. And we're, they're all excited. First thing they said, Dad, Grandma got so drunk at Thanksgiving. And I'm like, what? And they're like, Grandma passed out on top of us. She tried to make me rub her feet. And, and then that night she kicked Ryan out of bed and took Samantha's stuffed animal. And, and, and I was like, what, you know, and I'm like listening to my kids talk about this. And the, the two things that got me, number one, if you're a parent, how do you expose your children to that? How do you allow your children to get exposed to that? And why don't you remove them immediately? Or, Hey mom, you've had enough to drink. You need right. to get away. Right. But the, the father condoned it. And, and this is not nothing new. Every time I went over there, they all drank. The father would pass out on the couch. The mother would get loaded and slur, you know, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I never drank because I don't, re I rarely drink anyway, but, and I made the kids write this stuff down. I'm like, kids, write it down. I don't know any better. I don't have a lawyer. You know, they write down. I never want to go to grandma and pause again. You know, grandma did this, grandma did that. You know, she tried to make me rub her feet. Same thing that uh, the father did to Liz he would come home from work and, and he would make Liz rub her feet. She told me this two years into our marriage. Uh, when I came back from Afghanistan, she just like uh, started unloading like all this stuff, you know? Yeah. He worked at NSA. He was like really high up, you know, like equivalent to a three-star. Everybody respected him. He was like the typical, and as I say, people who sit closest to the pew are the biggest hypocrites. Mm -hmm. You know, here this guy is like, you know, well-respected church guy, elder, in the church and my ex-wife starts telling me about all the stuff that he used to do and that you know he she used to have to rub his feet when he came home from work he'd have a scotch or a bourbon you know and some other stuff that i don't want to talk about on, on the air but you know so then you see how it manifests mm -hmm. and 
you go to Christmas and all presents everywhere. It looked like, uh, you know, the Toys R Us blew up in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then the things like he buys, you know, the, the, the father bought my son uh, presents and they were packing up to leave. And, and my son just packing all the stuff up in the presents. So he goes, no, 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 those don't go to your house with your father. You only play, you, you only get to play with them when you come here, you know, and, you know, these are the things that make me worry and make me concerned as a parent. These are the things that don't, don't come out in court, but you know, I really wish, and I've tried to reach out to both the parents and the family and say, can we, can we meet? Can we talk? Can we, you know, in the best interest of the kids, can we try to, nope. Every, any email I sent, you know, was taken to the court. Look, he's being harassing. Mm. And, and this is how the, the lawyers play the game. And this is how the judges, you know, who sit there and, you know, up on their stand and look down upon people and, look at 10 pieces of evidence and making a judgment on a person that they never know. Mm-hmm. Three tours in Afghanistan, desert storm, not a, not a speeding, you know, I had like one or two speeding tickets in my life, no felonies, arrests, convictions, donated over a thousand hours of community service, coaching rugby, you know, but yet I'm the, I'm the criminal, I'm the bad guy. And it's disgusting because luckily I said to myself and I said to my friends when this all started, I will not allow this to dictate my character. My character will be defined as how I manage this situation. And mm-hmm. it's been really difficult. And I've tried to maintain my composure and my, you know, my, my, my character throughout this, but it's difficult because there's a part of me that wants to go just tear somebody's head off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, you know, that's not going to help anybody, but those are just normal thoughts that anyway would go through. Oh yes, and most then. definitely. So are you pro se litigant now back again, or do you have an attorney? Well, I do have an attorney and, uh, you know, due to my financial situation, I couldn't go out and handle, I couldn't go hire. I met with a really good legal firm and they said, $50,000 retainer and we'll get your kids back. And, uh, you know, I I don't have $50,000 to go get my kids back. Mm. Um, This divorce has cost me almost $200,000. Oh. And the legal fees for the uh, um, for the custody have been uh, about one hundred fifty thousand, and uh, and I I just don't have the money to pay a, another lawyer, legal firm uh, you know fifty thousand dollars. And they're like, oh, we're going to get private eyes, and we'll get uh, our own therapist, and we'll hire on this, and we'll you know I'm like, what what, what happened to common sense? Mm-hmm. What happened? going in front of judge Smith, who's a great judge and saying, your honor, I just want to be a part of my children's lives. No, I have to go hire private eyes and I have to go hire my own therapist and I have to get expert witnesses and test. That's the family court system. That is the family court system in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. It's not, Hey, there's a father who wants to be active in their children's lives, but yet we have a family court system that will allow pedophiles, uh, convicted convicts, uh, drug dealers, and they try to rehabilitate and reunite these kids. Mm -hmm. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm -hmm. You have a a father who's abusive and an alcoholic and on drugs, and you're trying to force the children to have a relationship with them. You have a father like me who wants to have a relationship with my children, and you have a court system that's prohibiting it. And you have an ex-wife who is empowered and not allowing it. And you and have lawyers who don't disgusting. have the fucking, it is. And, 
this is where the family court system is broken. And, and this area in Fairfax, Virginia is, is a, a microcosm of the bigger picture. And it's a really bad. And I know that I'm doing myself a disservice because I'm going to have to go in front of a, a judge and he could probably hear this podcast or, you know, and then, you know, they're going to be like, oh, I heard your po podcast that all judges in Fairfax suck. I'm like, yeah, you do. I remember one thing that the judge man said, I presented evidence. I said, in this binder, your honor, is seven years of text messages that show how I cared for the kids, took them on vacations, not one negative text message to my ex-wife, not you're a fucking bitch. I hate you. I'm going to kick your ass. You're, you know, this, not one, seven years of text messages. I handed him a binder. He said, do you expect me to read this, Mr. Cisco? Mm. And I didn't know. But given now what I know, I would have said, yeah, if you want to do your fucking job, read the fucking text messages. Mm -hmm. But I didn't do that. And mm -hmm. now I would have said that. Well, you know, I did a podcast with a woman and uh, she's down south. And when she went into court, the judge brought up the podcast and CPS wanted to remove her kids. And he said, no. The mother, these are the, this is the mother of these children. She has evidence and she will be heard. And it was like, praise God. And we went back on the podcast for an update and he did a great job. And so there's, there is hope. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> and that's what I cling to, you know, and this is the thing that's really disgusting for me is so many people are in this situation or there's a lot of people I spoke with in similar situations. And what their advice is, Jim, you just got to cut your losses. And, you know, the kids are going to get become 18 or, you know, they're going to have a voice or they're going to be driving soon and they're going to be want to be at that point and you got to reconnect with them and you got to build your relationship. And I say bullshit to that. Yeah. That's bullshit. Mm -hmm. That I, as a parent, I'm going to say, this is really hard for me and I've expended so much time and energy and resources and finances but I'm just going to say, oh, kids, when you're 18, you know, come back and find me. That's the type of that's the type of advice that I get because of the fam from lawyers, from lawyers in this area. No, from they don't therapists. understand. They don't understand the um, the mechanism of parental alienation, which behind it is child psychological abuse, which is in the DSM-5, V995.51. And they don't care to read it. They don't care to look at all these things that are happening with these kids when they're placed with a child psychological abuser. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, for me, I hope that, you know, very honestly, I hope my kids hate my ex-wife. I hope that when they you know get to a point, they're like, why did you keep us away from dad? Mm -hmm. And that she gets to experience the torment and agony that I have experienced for the past 15 months mm -hmm. or more than that, two years. You know, <clears throat> I, I do. I mean, I, I and that's not mean or malice or that's just being a human being, you no, know. And, and God knows your heart. God knows what you have been through, what I have been through. And these people, you know, um, and, and I have seen other parents say, yeah, now the kids don't want to be with him or her. And, and uh, they, they've seen it and it may have taken them five years, but they get it now. And, you know, uh, we have a great relationship. Five years, five years of wasted time. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and my ex-girlfriend, she, you know, when we first started dating, 
and she was amazing. Uh, you know, she was an amazing woman. She gave me great support and was there for me. Did a lot for me. Helped me out through a really difficult time. And she wrote an email that I'll never forget. And I kept the email. And it said, you know, you are an amazing father. Because she used to watch the Skype calls. And we were dating when before their custody. So she saw me interact with the kids and coaching and, you know, talking to them. She would be on the phone and, you know, hey, time to do your homework. Hey, I'm making this for dinner. Hey, like you go upstairs. So she saw that. And she said, the time lost can never be replaced. The time lost of rugby matches, of coaching, of you know, when I hear my son saying, well, the, the, the gym teacher taught him how to throw a football. Yeah. You know, this is the things that you're, uh, as a, this is what you do as a father, mm-hmm. not a gym teacher or a boy scout coordinator or a fucking therapist, mm-hmm. but that time will never be lost. And each day that I'm away from them is lost time. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't realize. Oh, don't worry about it. Just wait till you're, they're 18. No. What about the lost years from now until 18? I'm supposed to just allow five years to go by. And it's real easy for me to go, you know what? Just turn it all off. Fuck everything. Go meet somebody, go date, have fun, not worry about anything. Here's, here's my child support payment. Here's my spouse support payment every month and Skype for 30 minutes. Uh, At what point does my ex-wife go, I am damaging these children. I am inflicting pain on my ex-husband and my children for my own selfish purposes. What person is going to have the, the fortitude you know, my, some of my friends, I have a friend, Christy Mitchell, who I've known for, I dated her in high school. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it is disgusting what Judge Mann did and is disgusting what your ex-wife is doing. Mm-hmm. This is a woman who never had children. Her only dream was to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what is this woman doing? She is not a fit parent. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and anytime anybody reaches out to her, Unless it's her friend, her one friend or her parents, everybody's isolated from her. But she plays the role, you know, I'm a single mom, I would, uh-huh. whatever. Well, yeah. And she gets, can you come pick up Ryan? Can you take him to Boy Scouts? No. Why don't you call your ex? Why don't you call your ex-husband? Right. He's right down the street. It's less than six miles away. Why don't you allow him to do it? Uh. Well, the court, the court says he's not allowed. No, Liz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard that too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I'm disgusting. So sorry. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I just try to stay positive. I try to, to, you know, do things. I mean, people don't understand what I'm doing at work, my job and my career, my business. You know, I have a veteran suicide program that we're doing pro bono. I have a mm-hmm. police, a community policing program I'm doing pro bono. I have a school violence program I'm doing pro bono. You know, and these things I try to give back to the community. That's who I am. And, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, this is probably the, the, the worst thing I had to deal with when I was at my lowest and, you know, kind of like how I'm at my lowest point in my life now. You know, people are like, oh, you use your voice, say, you know, come out and ask for help. And I did. And I lowest point, go fund me page, uh, you know, going to the VA, going to men's advocacy groups, family advocacy groups. And this is what I get. That's really sorry. That's a tragic situation. Here's a link or have you looked at this website or nobody stood up. My friends, they try to stand up. My family tries to stand up, but nobody, nobody is like picketing at judge. You know, I want people protesting at judge man's house. You know, I want people, you know, uh, you know, calling, you know, my ex-wife and, and not to pressure or harass her to go, 
what are you doing? Or do you realize what you're doing? Somebody, a, a voice of reason or rationale. Mm-hmm. You know, her family, her brother is totally against this whole thing, but he doesn't have the fortitude to stand up to his sister and say, this is wrong. It goes against the church. Mm-hmm. It goes against basic parenting principles, but he doesn't even have the fortitude. And what do they do? They block me so I can't call them and, or text them. Uh-huh. I've asked, let's go, let's go to lunch or let's get a coffee. Let's talk about this. Let's be rational human beings and mature adults, mature adults. Nope. And he doesn't have the fortitude to go, sis, you are fucking up. Yeah. Because why? Because it goes back to the father, mother, and the, the patriarch uh, system where mm-hmm. nobody goes against the Holtzmans. Nobody says anything. You know, not, not Bruce, not Elaine, you know, not the closet alcoholics, not the closet abusers. You know, we don't talk about them. We have this pristine relationship and the son is fit, you know, he plays into it. Here's a, here's a story. My cousin on my wife's ex-wife side is a therapist. He's a PhD therapist. And during this time, I would go to him, David, David Kleinschuster. Hey, David, you know, I'm having, I'm having a hard time with this. What should I do? Hey, Jim, you know, think about this. Have you done this? Hey, what about the kids? How do I handle it? Because he's done with deal with this. You know what my ex-wife did? She threatened his practice and said that I, she was, that he was helping me with the divorce and that she threatened the practice, his practice. And that if he continued to help me, she would take it to the uh, uh, Virginia Psychological Board or whatever. That's the vindictiveness of the person we're dealing with. Her own family, her own cousin, she <laughs> sat there and threatened his, his practice. That's so you get an understanding of what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, I, it, it, it's, it's tragic. Like, I want to get my cell phone, which is right over there, and I want to play the video. I, I'm going to do this because, you know, all, all of this is hearsay, right? This is all like just one person's opinion. This is one person's, uh, you know, and, and I get it. You know, there's two sides to every story and somewhere in the truth lies the middle. I've mm-hmm. heard that. You know, and, and I, and in most cases, that is, that is the case. That's the truth. Um, but when you have, uh, you have actual evidence and you have, you can show, Hey, these are the things that have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's irrefutable. And what I want to do is I want to find the video of, you know, um, of the, uh, and this is a difficult video to watch is when my, uh, my daughter had threatened to kill herself. And, you know, six days later, it was her birthday. And, uh, um, so I had taken the kids over to see my, uh, their, their siblings, you know, their, their, their sister and my ex-wife wouldn't allow me or the kids to, to see, see her. And I have it on video where the kids are at the door, knocking on the door and she wouldn't let them in. And they're like, uh, you know, it was just, it's heartbreaking to watch, you know, our text messages, you know, saying all this stuff. So I wish I could find it. Um, I'm scrolling through my iPhone and, you know, obviously this. Is- well, you know, oh. we can do a follow-up. Well, we're going to have to do a follow-up podcast as well. I found it. Is it, does it show her face? No, here. Okay. No. 
I'll turn the volume up. Trying to see their sister um, after uh, multiple attempts to text and uh, email. Liz refuses to open the door. Car has not moved since yesterday. She is home and just not answering the door. I do not understand the behavior. I do not understand why she will continue to isolate the kids from each other. And I don't understand why she hasn't taken Samantha in for an evaluation after she has supposedly claimed to want to commit suicide and hurt herself. I just don't get it. I really don't. But the kids are very upset. They demanded that I bring them over here. I told them that it wasn't a good idea. I don't want to get in trouble, but they were like, come on, dad, please. Can we please, 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 can we go? So, I mean, I just, I'm perplexed by her behavior, hmm. what she's doing, why she's doing it. Yeah, I mean, in this, uh, I'll, I'll go to the end please, please. where, uh, you know, the kids come back to the car. We knew it. I mean, they knew who it was. And then, you know, the, uh, you know, one of the other things, uh, you know, I can read you and then show you the text messages that I received from my daughter um, after the, the, you know, the, the day of the trial when the judge, um, you know, just removed the ch children from my lives, you know, in such a terrible way. You know, this is the text messages that I, I get from my daughter. Daddy, help. It's Tabitha. Mother had her hands on me. I'm trying to grab the iPhone. Help, please pick pick me up. Mm. Uh, um, wait, here's the other one. Uh, sorry. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean it's kind of kind of difficult reading some of these, um, but here here's the easy. Liz is the worst. I miss you and I love you. Please help. I can't do this. Help, help, help. I'm going to die. Help, help, help. Help us, dad, please. Are you there? Do you still love us? Mm. Uh, we can't do this. Help us, please. We're going to die. Um, oh, so uh, sad. Yeah, it's really hard to read and they'll say, uh, you know, when they say, don't you love us anymore? And, oh, no. Uh, Help, please. Do you care? Please help us. At least respond. Just say hi. We know you read the text. Help. Let's smack me and hit me. Help. I'm going to call 911. Please help. Shorty's with Christina. We're all gone. We're all going to die. Please lock us up. I can't live without you. Daddy, please. Mm. Well, so this, it, it, this, it, is, this is what I get the day after, you know, the day of the court, four hours after I leave court. And these are the text messages I received. And this is when I go back to court and judge man and the lawyers won't allow any of this to be heard. They don't care. I'm the bad guy. I'm parental. I'm doing parental alienation. Daddy, do you not love me anymore? Uh, they got it backwards. Uh, oh, I, I am so sorry because, you know, uh, 
if the one child went through, you know, this horribly difficult time, and if something would have happened, thank God nothing happened. But I'm just, you know, I was told that if you can't control your own kids, then CPS will step in and just take them. And oh, yeah. My, yeah, my youngest daughter. You know, the, the kids would tell me she'd take her shoes off and throw them at my ex-wife when she's driving the car and not listen to her. You know, and it's, it's a joke because there's a woman who was given everything and all this privilege in her life. She's not a good parent. And, I, you know, I don't want to disparage her on you know, a podcast, but she's not a good parent. Right. And, and I mean, what good parent does this? And, you know, you want to see the body cam footage where she's lying to the police. You want to see other text messages. You know, I have it all. I had all the evidence. And my lawyer goes to court and you know, never gets presented. And it's just disgusting. And then Judge Mann, you know, that guy should be disbarred. Mm-hmm. Dr. Lindahl, her license should be revoked. Christopher Lane, he has an ongoing investigation with him with the Virginia Bar Association. They just should take his license away. And I should be able to go to, to have a civil suit and sue him for a million dollars. Well, even the therapist. I'm sure you could sue her. I mean, and also some parents are finding as they look into these therapists that they're not even licensed, right? You know, something to consider. Yeah, I don't know what her, you know, what her uh, license is. I don't know what her credentials are. You know, she could have gone to Timbuktu University in Egypt for all I know. I mean, you know, but now she's counseling my, you know, providing therapy to my children. I would look into her credentials because from I'm hearing all these other stories from other parents and they're really finding out what their therapist is. And, you know, I just recommend always doing background checks. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Like for me, I couldn't, you know, once again, this was a decision by my ex-wife. And so I just had to, you know, as I call it, you have to eat the shit sandwich. And yeah. it doesn't matter how much whipped cream or cherry you put on top, it's still a shit sandwich. Oh. And, you know, I, I really wish that, I really wish that somebody listening, somebody would say, I got to reach out. I got to help in some way. You know, I got to, I know a lawyer or I know, a, you know, I know this person or I know this or there's this, you know, group or give me your GoFundMe page because, you know, how, how do you even, how can you maintain... Uh, the last ruling, I have to pay $2,000 a month in child support, $2,000 a month for the court fees, $500 a month for spousal support, plus a mortgage, plus, you know, I, oh, I'm God. underwater. And, you know, and, and luckily, fortunately, you know, some some people have been able to help me out. But this has gotten to the point where it's ridiculous. And, you know, I'm still waiting on my, my lawyer to give me a response to Friday, what happened, whether I'm going back to court. Or whether it got, uh, you know, the judge ruled against it and I have to pay more legal fees. So if there's somebody out there listening and, you know, God willing, you, you, you're you willing to do more than just send a, a link or, uh, you know, have you checked out this website? No, I, I don't really have the time to check out a website. I'm trying to maintain my company, run a business, uh, you know, pay for bills. And, you know, I was in Iraq last week for business you know, and I woke up to gunfire oh. uh, outside my hotel room and like, well, how's that for your PTSD? Right. And then I found out that it was the, uh, the American embassy has a, a range right outside the oh. compound. You know, I was like, oh, oh okay, my cool. gosh. So, you know, and the other thing is, this is the thing that really irks me is, 
I have heard you know, over the past year and a half, you know, we were doing PTSD and, and veteran suicide before it was in vogue. And now every, you can't swing, swing a dead cat without hitting a 501c3 and everybody's out there. Speak up and we're here to help and bullshit. Uh, bullshit, because every time I reached out, nobody stepped up. Nobody was out there to help. You know, it, it's total bullshit, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know what? Put your money where your mouth is. You know, exactly. Not, but, yeah, we're, we're going to get an advocacy group. We're going to sign an online petition. We're going to bring this to the Fairfax County you know, court system to have Judge Man removed. We're going to, you know, go, you know, uh, petition the Virginia Bar Association to have Christopher Lane removed. We're going to investigate uh, Dr. Lindahl. The, the, the investigation on Dr. Lane has been going on for a year. And they said, Virginia Bar Association, oh, well, the caseload is really bullshit. You have a person who's, who's impacting people's lives like the way they are, and you, it's been a year to do the investigation? Whoa. So when is somebody actually going to say, yeah, we're going to go do something. We're going to help these people out. Because there's people like, I'm not, I'm a statistic. This is something that has happened to a lot of people like me, mm -hmm. but I refuse to sit there and be a statistic. I'm taking, I'm going to do this podcast. I'm going to go do these things. And you know what? People might not like what I have to say. People might, you know, question my character, question my integrity, but people who know me will never question my integrity. They know who I am and those are my friends and I don't care what anybody else thinks. You want to you want to form an opinion on me? Take the time to get to know me. Mm -hmm. You want to help me? Help me. Don't just say, "Oh, what a terrible story." Th that doesn't fucking help anybody. Mm -hmm. How does that help my children? Yeah, it's a terrible story. It really sucks. How does it help my children? Who, who's calling the principal? Who's calling the the guidance counselor at the school? Who's I can't because the court right. order. Right. Somebody can and be like, "Hey, or what's happening with these children?" Oh, the ex-wife just put him on ADHD medicine and put him in therapy. She's a good parent. No. So there's my frustration. I'm sorry that, you know, I get emotional, especially after reading, you know, watching the video and reading the text messages. Mm -hmm. But this phone has hundreds of thousands of data points of everything. I can pull up seven years of text messages to my ex-wife. Not one ever be like, you, you, you fucking bitch, you, I'm going to kick your ass. I hate you. Not nothing. Hundreds and hundreds of emails asking for her to let me see, let, please let me see the kids. Let me see our children. Can I take them to Hibachi tonight? Can I take my daughter saying, dad, I have a gymnastics event. Uh, I, I really want you to come. And I'm saying I'm on Skype call. Well, ask your mom if I'm allowed to go. And what does she say? Don't talk to me. Talk to your dad. It's your time with your dad. <laughs> and I'm the, uh, I'm the parental alienator. Oh. And, you know, don't talk to me. Talk to your dad. It's your 30 minutes with your dad. Ooh. Can daddy come to my gymnastics tournament? We're not talking about this. Talk to your dad. Jeez. And I'm, and I, you know, I'm the bad guy, you know, and I'm sure that, and here's a better one. I coached their rugby team for two years. We went to the state championships twice. Rugby practice Tuesdays and Thursdays, games on Saturday. Yeah. She had me removed from coaching. She said that, oh, yeah, she had me fired from coaching. And then they, the, the, the Springfield rugby did an investigation. 
um, she said that I was abusive to her in a parking lot. And we fought over a Krispy Kreme donut, it was hilarious. And my son's like, take the donut, take the donut. It was really hilarious. So anyway, they did an investigation. I couldn't coach the team or be around the team for a month. Not only did it impact my kids, but it impacted the team because now I was coaching the team. And so they you know, had to get with the other coach. So uh, the investigation is over, or almost over, and they're gonna adjudicate like there was no abuse. And I refereed a match. I go out there and they're like, hey, Jim, we don't have any referees for this game. I'm like, oh, I'll ref the game. She takes pictures of me. She was hiding in the woods, took pictures of me, sent it in so that I violated my probationary period while the investigation was happening and had it removed. And they came back and were like, and, and the coach of the rugby team, the, or no, the supervisor of SRC was like, dude, what's up with your ex-wife? She's psycho. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, if you yeah. only knew. Then after the divorce and after everything that happened, she sent uh, SYC rugby and I have it because I had to get uh, affidavits and all this stuff. What kind of organization allows somebody like Mr. Cisco to coach? I had to step away from coaching. I haven't coached rugby since. What about suing for defamation? You know what? I want to see my kids. I don't give a fuck about defamation. Mm -hmm. And you know, the people who know me, the people I play rugby with and coaches, the families, you know, they love me. Mm -hmm. they're like my kids love you you mm -hmm. know what and i'm like well sorry and you know even the you know, so I, I i'm not getting into like i'm gonna go sue for defamation i'm gonna i want my pound of flesh i want my kids back mm -hmm. there will be a come the time that revenge happens like for you when you pray that somebody's removed from your life and they're removed mm -hmm. and and that's you know my hope that is people will be held accountable and that people's careers will end and professions will be, you know, jeopardized. You know, even if this goes viral and everybody's like, it has an, you know, starts going on Chris Lane or Mary Lindell or Judge Mann's Facebook page and like, dude, you're a scumbag. Mm -hmm. You go to sleep every night when you have, you know, like I have to go to sleep every night taking Ambien or, uh, you know, mm -hmm. because I have a hard time going to bed. Because mm -hmm. I'm sitting here Austin and turning and thinking about this shit. I want that to happen to Chris Lane or Mary Lindell uh, or Judge Mann or, or uh, Joe Menzi. Yeah. You know, you, you live with this. You know, you, you bear this cross for a little while. Right. And I, I'm sorry because I know this kind of sounds, you know, this is, sounds vindictive and mad, mean and nasty. And, and, oh, look, you know, he was so good in the podcast until the end where he went off the deep end. No, this is what... The, this is how I've felt for two years. This is what I've been drugged through. It's, mm -hmm. it's glad that I can only just talk about it, but I want people to help me. You know, I, I can't do this alone anymore. It's just, mm -hmm. it's too much of a, you know, it's just too much. Well, you've been railroaded for so long. Now, now you have complex post-traumatic stress disorder from the court system, which is also legal abuse, which can be found in the DSM-5 as well. This is terrible yeah. what they're doing to you. And, you know, like I'm not educated enough on all of the things that are happening to, to know what to do, you know? So somebody gives me advice or somebody says, Hey, Jim, you really need to do this. Or, Hey, let me help you do this. Or, Hey, we're going to file a civil suit against this for you. And we're going to help you show you how to do it. Cause you don't have any money to hire a lawyer to do a civil suit. You know, I mean, these are the things that this is why I came on today because hopefully you'll be able to guide me in a direction or somebody who's watching will be like, man, we need to help this cat out. You know, oh, he yes. really needs this and this and this. And, and that's what I, I hope for. It's not a, 
Jim getting on a podcast to, to say, woe is me and my life is terrible. You know, that's not it at all. Mm-hmm. I keep a couple things, you know, perspective. I have really good friends. I know that this is a very dark period in my life, but I know that my happiness will be, you know, in a year or two when I'm reunited with my kids and I can be a, a parent and I can, you know, when my, you know, daughter wants advice on dating or my son needs to learn how to do this for Boy Scouts, I can be there. That's what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps me going every day. And the fact that eventually I'll find a, a woman in my life and, and, you know, be able to open up, you know, my emotions and, and, you know, have a, a loving relationship. You know, my, my ex-girlfriend was amazing. She, you know, I didn't think I'd ever be able to open up to anybody after what my ex-wife did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I opened up to her and it really hurt. And it was, you know, it was very vulnerable. And, uh, but, you know, it, it helped me a lot. So. Well, there's, there's a lid for every pot. So there's one out there for you. There's, if I can find a good man, you can find a good woman. They're still out there somewhere. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to find. And there's so many guys I know who, you know, who are like, I just want to meet a woman. There's so many women that I know who are like, I just want to meet a guy, and I don't know where the paths go. It's really, you know, it's really weird because you know. I think that there's a lot of people and maybe they gave up or they're on dating apps or whatever. I don't know, but, you know, hopefully I'll find a, a woman and, you know, makes me, you know, happy and completes me and, is, you know, my number one fan and I'm her number one fan. Well, when I got divorced, my mother said, no one's going to want you or your three kids. So I went to work at the hospital and we were, we didn't have a lot of patients. So I just went in one of the rooms, I pulled out a Bible and it was Mark 22, 11, or is it eleven twenty two? I think it's eleven twenty two, where if you believe that God can move a mountain, it will be done. So I said, okay, God, you're going to find me a good husband, and I'm going to believe you're going to do it. Now, it's all in God's time, but <laughs> five years later, it happened. So... Yeah. <laughs> You know, I just kept believing that this was going to happen, and and God always comes through. Yeah, and you know, the only problem is God's timeline is different than mine. I know, I know, we're all like this. Believe me. Hey, if anyone wants to reach you, how can they reach you? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I I don't have a big social media footprint, and uh, I rarely check my Facebook account, and. Uh, but the, the best way to email me is through my email uh, address. And it's uh, jamesrcisco1 at gmail.com. And J-A-M-E-S-R-Cisco, S-I-S-C-O, 1 at gmail. Great. And I'm going to have you back on. Uh, so uh, don't jump off. Salam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with James Sisko in the future and other exciting guests. Thank you for speaking out, Jim. Thank you. And thank you You're for welcome, serving man. our country, too. Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me, and hopefully... You know, this will help some people, and and, uh, hopefully some people will help me. Thank you.